We continue with our series on generosity. Um, you know, as soon as I mention generosity, I imagine most of you go to generosity of money, which is certainly a form of generosity. But there are other generosities. This is about hospitality. The generosity of our heart. The generosity of our spirit. Now the first paragraph of Jesus speaking is, is addressing the need to be in the inner circle, in the in crowd, to be in the room where it happens. You know, seating is very important to whether or not we feel included. You know, we've all been to wedding receptions where we go to the table before entering the banquet hall and we see what table we're sitting with at and with whom. And you look at the floor chart and you think, my gosh, could they have gotten me further away from the wedding table? Um, You know, and who are these people I'm sitting with? Where we're located does tend to say how we are esteemed or not by the host. You know, when we go to a restaurant, how long do we have to wait to be seated? And where are we seated? By the kitchen, by the restrooms, where it's noisy? Or do we get a quiet, secluded place? It kind of is indicative of whether or not we're in the inner circle. In the mid-80s, when I was serving Summit Church, Um, we went to the district Christmas party. Now, the Columbus North District um, Christmas party was a thing to go to. Uh, This was the one where the the bishop usually attended it. And many of the conference officials attended the district Christmas party. So if you wanted to make connections, this was the party to go to. The Christmas party was held at Trinity Church up in Marble Cliff, and my friend Gene Skipworth was on the staff there. And Skipworth called us up and, and said, um, why don't you and Susan come and, and you can sit with Gail and me, and then after, after the dinner we can have, uh, go to our house, which is next door to the church, and have a couple of nightcaps. Sounded good to us. So we went. Unlike other Christmas parties, where you could just pick where you wanted to sit, this one had table placements. So um, Skipworth, earlier in the day, as he was helping set up for the room, noticed that Skipworth and Keeney's were not together. So he rearranged the chart and rearranged the seating so that we could sit together in the back and act immature and have fun. He had neglected to tell me that he had rearranged the seating that somebody at Trinity had set up. So we're in the back, and Leonard Confar, who is the district superintendent, and many of you know Leonard from serving here in his days as a retired minister here, Leonard saw that Susan and I were not seated at the table he had placed us at. 
So he came in and this parable was acted out. He said, why are you seated so far away from the head table? And I just kind of looked at Skipworth. And I want you to sit up front at the bishop's table. I had put in for a move earlier that month, and Leonard wanted the bishop to get to know me so that when my name came up for my next appointment, the bishop would say, oh yeah, I know him, and I like his wife. Yeah. Now, as Susan and I moved up to the head table, I have to admit that I felt many of my peers' eyes on me, thinking, why is Keeney moving up in the world? What's going on here? But I really got that feeling of being exalted, being part of the inner circle, where we're seated kind of is a seat of honor. Then Jesus goes on and says, when you give a dinner, now he's talking to the hosts, whom do you invite? And he lays out two groups of people that one can invite. You can invite your friends, your brothers, your sisters, your neighbors, your rich acquaintances, or you can invite the marginalized. And Jesus lists them maybe a little bit politically incorrect. The blind, the crippled, the lame, and the poor. Which group do we tend to invite to a dinner party? In that society, the patronage system was very, very strong. That your life was about networking. It was about who you knew, who could further your dreams, who could further your career. So you'd invite people to dinner that could help you out, that you knew them, and knowing them gave you a leg up. It made no sense to invite somebody that didn't have connections. It made no sense to invite the marginalized, who couldn't repay you and couldn't do a favor in return. And Jesus says, those are the people I want you to invite. Don't invite the people on your phone contact list. Invite the people that nobody else is inviting. Now what Jesus is recommending is no way to get ahead. And he's quit preaching, and now he's meddling. And what he's talking about is radical hospitality. He's really overturning this system of scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. You know, what is hospitality? Usually when we start talking about hospitality, we start talking about the home. You know, the home is a haven. It's a place where we feel safe. It's a place where we can rest. 
It's a place where we can let down our hair. It's a place that we try to make beautiful. It's a place where desires are fulfilled and hurts are healed. And Jesus says here, invite people into your living space, literally and metaphorically. Invite people into the center of your life. Invite them into your circle. It means to take people into the space that is my life and saying, there's room at my table for you. This is more than Martha Stewart. It's more than knowing which fork to use and which spoon to use. It's more than nodding to someone in the parking lot. Hospitality is the willingness to be inconvenienced and interrupted so that the other can move on with their life well. Hospitality is that extra effort it's that extra time. It's that extra care. It's putting the other person first. Kierkegaard tells the story of the man who was walking down a street and he saw a sign in a store window that said, pants pressed here. And he looked down at his pants and he said, geez, they need pressing. So he went into the store and he said, I'd like my pants pressed. And the owner of the store said, oh, we don't press pants here. We just sell the sign. Hospitality is more than selling the sign. Hospitality honors. It doesn't just give clothes away. It honors the person to whom it's giving clothes. It doesn't just give food away. It honors the person receiving the food. With hospitality, we don't try to impress the other person. We don't try to influence them. We don't try to convert them. Actually, with hospitality, the first person to be converted is the host. The first person to be converted is ourselves to the awareness of God's goodness in that other person. Hospitality requires that we try to determine what it is about our lives that is making that person feel unaccepted or unwanted. You know, Gwen talked about something as simple as pronouns. Letting a person know if they're accepted or not. Hospitality is love of the stranger. And hospitality of the heart begins as the beginning of a revolution where we move from you and me to we. It's the first step in dismantling barriers. There were five cousins in my extended family. I was the youngest cousin. Um, most of my cousins were eight to ten years older than I. 
And I remember discussions in the early 60s as my cousins started dating and um, started going to college. Um, who, who was acceptable to invite to family gatherings? Could the Jew or the Catholic that my cousin was dating be welcome? Could the black friend that my cousin played with on the football team in college be welcome? I remember discussions about that. And in all cases, the person was invited. And it was the first step in breaking down barriers. It's the way we turn a prejudiced world around. You know, and hospitality changes us. It changed our church when we took that first step to welcome LGBTQI persons. It can change our domestic policy in our country if we practice hospitality to refugees and to immigrants. It can change our community if we practice hospitality with those who don't have housing. What Jesus is saying here is an assault on a closed mind. It's how we come out of ourselves and complete ourselves by welcoming the other. Hospitality is the act of a reckless heart. It's a generous heart. It's a committed heart. It's a heart that goes out of its way. So what about our hospitality? Well, we sing Open Doors. That's a hospitality song. We have the banner. We have ramps and elevators. We have signage that I hope is clear to direct people where they need to go. More than one couple on an information call this week talked about how good it felt as a man to sit with their husband or as a woman to sit with her wife. Kathy talked about the art gallery. She talked about gluten-free bread, which I hadn't thought of. She talked about sack lunches and habitat and the signing of our services. For our Learning Extension Center, we welcome the children from Hubbard and we provide breakfast and lunch and lunch not just for the kids who are here, but for their siblings to take home so their family can be fed. At all church lunches, we can be hospitable when we sit with a new person. Several years ago, we hosted the Transgender Day of Remembrance, and we learned that our restroom setup was not hospitable to transgender persons. We converted a restroom, uh, a closet into a restroom. And then we learned that it still wasn't hospitable because it didn't have hooks for people to hang their coats on. So we got hooks to be more hospitable. Wearing masks is hospitable. When you give a dinner, invite the lame, 
the crippled, the blind, the poor, the hard of hearing, those with special needs. Could we be hospitable to that long list? Would our building be hospitable? That takes extra effort. And that in part is what our comprehensive campaign is about. A new sound system. The hearing induction coils that key in to a person's frequency on their hearing aid so they don't have to ask for special equipment so that they can hear. If they're a first-timer, they're immediately able to hear because the frequency is keyed to their frequency. The railing in the balcony, I am scared to walk in our balcony. It will be ADA compliant, as will be the women's restroom. We're talking about energy conser conservation measures, where the boiler will have circulation to make it safe with viruses. We want to have adequate light and heat that respects the earth and it's hospitable to the earth in its uses. Our children who learn visually more and more will have screens and those who learn visually will be enhanced in their learning. When you give a dinner invite you know Jesus was the ultimate insider you can't get more inside than being creator redeemer and sustainer you can't get more inside than having equality with God and he became the ultimate outsider so that everybody could have a place at the table you know Jesus identified with those who had no place to lay their head with those in prison with those who are lonely and hungry and thirsty when we are hospitable, we are hospitable to Christ. When you give a dinner, invite. Isaiah 25 is this wonderful vision of God's banquet, the great banquet, in which God is the host, and all are fed, and all are fed well, and all are in the inner circle. There is no outer circle. There's no talk of inside and outside. There's no talk of marginalized. Everybody is in the inner circle. There are no barriers to God's hospitality. We've been praying this prayer through the comprehensive campaign. God, what is your will? What are you trying to do through us? What is God trying to do through us? God has a vision. And he wants us to be co-workers. One of the things God is trying to do is hospitality. God is trying to work through us that we become even more of a sign of that great banquet where everybody is in the inner circle. God wants us to be a sign of God's hospitality. May it be so. Amen.